Welcome to the Manufacturing and Supply Chain CEO Podcast. I'm Martin Harshberger, President of Measurable Results, LLC, and martinharshberger.com. I'm a retired CEO of both a manufacturing company and a third-party logistics company. We were lucky enough to grow both to eight-figure organizations. I've been consulting with small and mid-tier companies for the past 16 years. Our mission with this podcast is to provide a forum to help CEOs in these critical industries share their stories, share best practices, and learn from each other. If you'd like to be a guest in our podcast, go to www.martinharsberger.com slash apply. Each interview will take about 30 minutes. Thanks for listening. Hi, welcome to this episode of Manufacturing and Supply Chain CEOs. I'm Martin Harsberger, your host. This morning, we have uh, Ken Bradley, CEO of Lytica. Ken, welcome. Nice to be here, Martin. Thank you. Talk a little bit about what your company does and, and uh, how you get into this thing. Okay, well, Lytica is a supply chain uh, company. We deal with uh, electronic components. Uh, the differentiation with our company is that we're able to uh, estimate uh, the uh, prices of components that people should be paying based on real, real customer pricing. So we help companies by characterizing their spending and uh, identifying components where they're outliers or where they're, they're not priced appropriately for them in the marketplace. And we give them guidance on what price they should be paying. So we, we help them save money. We also have a lot of information in our database that helps them with uh, component risk and uh, security of supply. Uh, we got into this because of my background, which uh, I was chief procurement officer at Nortel several years ago. And one of the things I noticed at Nortel is that uh, Nobody actually could tell me what I should pay for a component. It was, it was kind of a secretive area, and it wasn't clear. The suppliers would tell me I had really good pricing. My staff told me I had really good pricing, and I'd, I'd send a circuit card out to one of the large contract manufacturers, and back would come components with prices on them less than what I was paying currently. So what I found uh, after I left Nortel was that the industry at large really doesn't have a good view of what they should be paying for parts. Do you you can go on to distributor sites and you can uh, see what, uh, what the list price is on components. You can get quotes from suppliers, but that really doesn't tell you what your competitors and what your peers are, pacing, are paying. So we, uh, we've come up with this method using real customer pricing, which gives us a good benchmark of the industry and uh, helps customers know what they should pay. Who are your customers? Electronic uh, uh, manufacturers or, or service yeah, companies? We deal with a large variety of, of companies. The, uh, a lot of the top EMS companies are uh, our customers, the electronic manufacturing service companies. Uh, many of the OEM companies uh, that are Fortune 500 and, and others are companies that are dealing with us. And uh, some companies that are dealing with, uh, with ODM companies are, are also our customers. So we have a a broad range of customers. Many of them are in Fortune 500 industry leaders that are uh, that are our clients. That's interesting. With all the data that that they have, they can't they can't do what you're doing. I mean, I I think I agree with you. I'm just trying to make a point. <laughs> yeah. So the, the issue is they know what they're paying and they know what they have paid historically, and they know what they can get if they go out for a quote. And sometimes they'll use competitive bids to get a couple of suppliers quoting, but. But generally speaking, the salespeople selling it understand what you've been paying and what your tolerance threshold is. And often when you get these very large companies that have gone, grown through acquisition, uh, where they've got, you know, they've got very many systems that, uh, that they operate with, 
and different ways of working and different uh, nomenclature on their part numbers. And so it's often really not clear to them what they're buying in one location and paying and what they're, what they're paying and buying in another location for the same part. And so our technology will actually help them understand globally what they're paying uh, for parts, parts that are similar, parts that are exactly the same, and uh, where they're actually paying different prices around the world, as well as benchmark them against other customers that we have and tell them, you know, you're at a 75th percentile, meaning 25% of the companies out there are doing better than you, and 74% are doing worse. <clears throat> and so this is this is really a unique value proposition for them because it's really telling them not what list prices are, you know, not what not what the posted prices are, not what the guy down the street who they used to work with when they phone and say, hey, how much are you paying for this part? Uh, you know, it, it gives you a much larger sample size with which you get a sense of the marketplace and, and how you're doing in that market. As it raised an interesting point. Back when I started a company years ago, that's how I got to the South. Value Grad Logistics Company and outsourced logistics functions from yep. a lot of big companies. And the big problem they had is you're exactly right with acquisitions and so on. None of their systems talk to each other. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> so I was yeah. able to combine that information uh, with which you're doing basically the same thing, which is yeah. powerful. That's it really right. is. It's very powerful. I mean, it's amazing the number of companies that don't realize that they're buying the same thing called something different in a different location and paying you know, paying sometimes, you know, 50% more or, or, or more for the same component. And then you've got the opportunity too, where you're not, your suppliers may know that you're buying in two different locations, but they're not telling you yeah. that you're at, your volume is actually three times what you think it is. And so you're not able to have the same purchasing power and leverage when, when you don't understand what you're buying globally. So it uh, just, just like you said with logistics, exactly the same thing. So how do you how do you sell your services? Subscription? Uh, how how do you do that? Yeah, it would, we have a SaaS, a SaaS business platform. We offer subscriptions. We have four or five products that you can uh, that you can license. Uh, generally, you know, some of the products are are actually benchmarking and giving you guidance in terms of what you should pay. Uh, other products uh, relate to uh, just being able to put in a part number and get a feel for where the market is. A uh, product called Price Estimator is, is that one. The Spend Benchmark is the product that uh, gives you the actual benchmarking. And then we have other products that give you trend information on how you've been doing over the last five years with various suppliers and manufacturers. And the newer products that we're uh, just releasing are actually looking at your business process to say, you know, how come I'm doing so well in my Asia locations, but I'm not doing so well in my European locations? And What's the difference in my business practice that's uh, leading to us not achieving the same level of results that I get in the better location? So uh, they're all subscription based. The, you know, I think they're all reasonably priced, but that's, uh, <laughs> you know, that's me as the CTO of my company. But uh, you know, generally, it's, uh, it's a lot more cost effective to use our kind of approaches than it is to go to the one large uh, consulting companies and uh, you know, pay their their fees for some kind of a, a price analysis, which, by the way, they generally don't have as much data as we have on what's actually happening in the market. I was just going to say that, and that'd be a one-time thing too. It'd be that point in time, the price yep. analysis, but doesn't tell you how to change it or how to. Absolutely. I yeah. when I gave the example earlier when I was at uh, Nortel as their chief procurement officer with uh, with you know finding this part or these parts that were cheaper on the EMS 
costed bill of materials than, than what I was paying. And so, you know, after I asked the suppliers and everybody how it happened, I then went out and brought in the consultants that cost me hundreds of thousands of dollars. And what they would say is, Ken, you got good pricing. There's some areas you could do better, and but your pricing generally pretty good. And I'd say, okay, what should I pay for this specific part? And they couldn't tell me. And so our, our analysis actually takes it down to the manufacturing part number level to say, you, Mr. Customer, are paying this much for that part. You're paying too much. You should be paying not $1.50. You should be paying $1.10. And they can go out and negotiate with that level of detail. It seems like I, what I did primarily, and I assume you do the same thing, you look at ROI, what can you save them? Yep. Uh, you know, actually use their numbers and say, okay, based on this, based on my analysis, you could save you X percent on your material costs. I think that'd be yeah. an easy sell. Yeah, so we, we do a couple of things with, with this. Uh, first of all, we validate that our stuff works with customers by doing proof of concept reports. And so they will, they will come to us and they'll give us some data and we'll look at it. And we'll say, we think these parts are not appropriately priced for you. And by the way, we're not after a race to the bottom with pricing. We're, we're after, you know, if you're a $250 million company and you've got, uh, you know, a bill of materials at $100 million worth of, on your bill of materials, we're not trying to give you a price that would be appropriate for one of the, you know, leading companies in the world, uh, you know, the, the highest market cap companies. We're giving you a price that's appropriate for you relative to what you're already buying and for your size. And so uh, what we do is we, we use these proof of concept reports and we, we say, go out and renegotiate these two or three parts that were in the list that you gave us. And people come back and saying, you told me I could get it for a dollar. I actually got it for 95 cents or I actually got it for a dollar five. And everybody's happy. So they get to see the ROI on some samples before they, before they subscribe. And when they do subscribe, I mean, basically our retention rates are extremely high. Uh, we've had customers for, for, for many years, the retention rates are in the high 90s, if not close to 100%, because this stuff works. And, you know. Let me ask you this. Do you, do you supply cross-reference material? In other words, if they're paying for, a, for an, OE, an OEM part and if there are other parts available, can you cross-reference that if they're different pricing and, and suggest that? Yeah, our database has that information. When we when we see companies that are single source, for example, and we know of an alternative that would probably work for them, uh, we will suggest that to them. Uh, so yeah, we, we do have cross-reference information in our library, but it's, it's not our fundamental differentiator. And at this point in time, the fundamental differentiator is the fact that we use real customer pricing. And the other thing that differentiates us is because we have all this material all this data from clients, we can actually do data mining within our database and identify some risk elements. Like for example, uh, what kind of component, uh, what component are you using where you may be the only person using that component and the market has generally avoided that component. Or you know, there's one huge company that's using 95% of the, the market and you're using like 1% of the market. And if that company ever switched, you'd be in a really vulnerable yeah. position. So we can data mine for that kind of risk information that's very, very useful to some of our customers. And in fact, in this in today's market, that that risk stuff is is as valuable as the pricing. Well, I, that was my next question. I mean, you kind of answered it <laughs> in advance, but with yeah. the supply chain where it is, I mean, 
uh, can you look out uh, at supply uh, at pipeline and, and tell what's out there? Or do you have that kind of visibility? I wouldn't think so, but we don't know what we what we have or what what people are using. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's lots of sites out there that'll tell you. You know, there's lots of distributor aggregators and distributors themselves that will tell you what uh, what's out there, and they're 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 providing a very useful function when they do that. The problem is they really don't have, or they're not telling you what the real market price for someone like yourself is. They're telling you, this is what our list price is. They say, this is what I'll sell you one for 10, a hundred thousand. And, you know, it's like going to a car dealership and looking at the window stickers. Yeah. It's not really what you come away with when you've actually bought the car. Yeah. I've learned that I ran an HVAC company, manufacturing company for a few years and list price means nothing. It's yeah. just the, it's where you start your discounting off of and the discount plays the game, right? And it's a person's <laughs> dream, right? It's, uh, yeah, it's his dream. Uh, what about supplier performance? I mean, if, uh, can yeah. you, can you pay, if you have parts from say three different suppliers, can you give them information on who fills orders, who doesn't fill orders, who has problems? Uh, we, we base it more on, on how cost effective the, uh, the supplier is, but I, I do want to comment on that in, in a minute. Uh, we do have manufacturing and supplier rankings available based on the kind of performance that, uh, that they've given you uh, currently or have given you over the last five years if you, if you have a subscription to our Trends product. But one of the things we've noticed is that, you know, we'll often see little companies outperforming big companies. And, you know, you think that when you get to be, you know, one of the top market cap companies in the world that you've got the best pricing in the world. And it, it just doesn't go that way all the time because there's so many things that influence the price that you pay. There's relationships, there's, you know, your attitude, your, your behavior, if you like, towards, towards a company, there's the amount of spend you have. There's, there's just a number of, you know, how difficult the company are you to work with. All of those things enter into the price, uh, the price equation, which by the way, doesn't exist, but it, it makes an impact on, on price. And so, uh, what we find is that some little companies have really good business processes that just outperform larger companies. And it's really important when, when you start looking at how do you get a more optimal price position or a better spend position, that you really have a way of looking at your business processes and being able to do it with, with real data and hard data so that you're not thinking that, you know, Sally is a better buyer than Fred or you're not thinking that the factory over in China is better than the one in the United States. Uh, because often uh, you don't have a normalized benchmark, which allows you to compare two things that are, that are dissimilar. And so all of the gains that were made in manufacturing over the last 20 years, maybe 25 years related to the introduction of quality processes and SPC and lean and Kaizen and Pokayoka and all of those techniques, Six Sigma, uh, that stuff really hasn't been available to business processes. But we have ways of normalizing pricing and allowing you to apply many of those same techniques to analyze your business process as well as just looking at the results of what, uh, of what you get through a negotiation. Like how prepared are you for the negotiation? What, what approach do you take in, in handling the negotiation? You know, all, of the, all of the things that make a difference, how good are your demand forecasts? All of these things matter, and they're all part related to how good your business processes are. So we have we have new tools that uh, that help in that space as well. Well, based on my experience with business processes, 
uh, uh, most companies, uh, even that do have them, they're out of date and they don't follow them. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're, they're, I mean, they are unless you're measuring them. Like if you take a look at what's happened in manufacturing, there's so many metrics in there now and continuous improvement initiatives ongoing that it keeps those, it keeps the manufacturing processes up to date and keeps them operating at an effective level. You can do the same thing in procurement. It's just never been, it's never been an approach that's been taken. And you're right. Most of the documents were out of date, are out of date, not maintained. Uh, people don't have a standard way of approaching things. They don't all have the same skill level. They haven't all had the same training. Yeah. There's so many, there's so many variables that, uh, that are out there that can impact the, the results of your negotiation that are unquantified. And it's hard to know which one is the most important to you in the short term to fix and address. Well, it gets back to metrics, key indicators. I mean, do they have them or don't? And, and you know, my 17 years after I retired, I've been working with companies and, and I haven't seen many companies that have a set of key indicators that they trend and they actually use the data. Yeah, that's right. I mean, even here, uh, Toyota has a huge plant here near Tupelo where I live and the tier ones around here. I've been I'm familiar with them and it's, it's amazing that you would think with Toyota being the customer, that they would be more advanced, but they're not. They fly by the seat of the pants, which is crazy. There's a leader in metrics. Toyota is, yeah, but the tier yeah. ones, yeah. yeah. You know, I look at, the, they talk about Toyota's lean manufacturing system and, and uh, just-in-time inventory. If you go by the Toyota plant, there's a, a trailer parking area. There must be five or 600 trailers there. That's where the inventory, the tier ones can't do JIT. They load it up in the parking lot. They don't get paid till they take it off the truck. Yeah. yeah. So when you, you talk about not having process, it's crazy. The inventory is sitting out there. Yeah. Well, it's not only it's not only the those uh, people that don't have processes. Like if you take a look at the uh, at the people selling parts around the world, like the distributors and some of the manufacturers, they uh, they don't have global systems either. They'll they'll tell you they do, and they'll they'll want to, and their intent is to have them. But often they don't know what your global taste, your global spend is. If you're dealing with one of these guys in North America, uh, they're looking at you as a North American customer. They're not looking at you necessarily as a global customer. Yeah. yeah. Unless, you have a, unless you have a way of bringing all your information together and getting it organized and standardized and have business practices that support the use of that to give you the maximum amount of leverage, then uh, you're at a disadvantage. So when I say how do you how do you sell your business? Do you have direct sales or, or how do you get that message out to your customers? Yeah, right now we have a direct sales force. We have, uh, like most SaaS businesses, we have a business development reps that uh, go after the people that we think are going to get the most benefit from our from our customers. And then we have account executives that follow up and uh, get the sale. And then in addition to that, we have a customer success group that. Uh, essentially manages the customer on an ongoing basis to make sure they're getting the value out of the products and have the right level of training so that they get the, uh, you know, maximum results for what, for their investment. So uh, customers are pretty important to us. We, uh, we kind of love them. Yeah, uh, for sure. We're important to everybody if people understand that. <laughs> By the way, just what word of mouth is actually one of the, uh, one of the best uh, sources of, of new customers for us. 
And uh, the other one that we've noticed is a lot of people who've used us in one company, when they migrate to a new job in another company, uh, within a month or two of them uh, actually going to that new company, they, uh, they call us up and say, hey, we want to subscribe to, you know, whatever tool they're used to or whatever tool they think they need. So. Well, that's a that's a huge uh, that's a huge selling point right there. Of they're taking it with them for sure. Yeah, one thing that puts us at a disadvantage on sales is we don't say who our customers are, because uh, pricing is something that people consider to be secretive, and they don't really want to, you know. So we we have it such that uh, we keep their names confidential, but uh, we have you know many of the Fortune 500 companies, many of the top EMS companies, our customers, and uh, They've been customers, recurring customers for a long time. What have you seen with pricing uh, with the supply chain issues? Have you seen an increase across the board? Yeah, I've seen some interesting things uh, with pricing. First of all, it's crazy. Uh, <laughs> it, uh, you know, we've, we've got customers that are coming back and, you know, they're seeing huge increases almost week to week. It, it seems to be leveling off a bit or stabilizing. But we actually did an analysis, which... Uh, we, we'd be able to share uh, with, with some, some of your listeners. Uh, we took a look at the quarter to quarter change on commodities like MLCC capacitors or resistors or linear ICs. And I think there were about 50 that we looked at, 50 commodities we looked at. And we looked at how much the change was happening to minimum prices and to maximum prices and average prices within that commodity. And what we, what we found were the companies that had better business processes had price increases, but they were nowhere near as high as the price increases for the companies that had not so good business practices. So for example, um, you, know, you might find companies saying that they're, that they're dying out there and getting you know, increases of 25% a week or something like that, like ridiculous numbers. And yet at the same time, we'll see companies that have sort of gone through with with increases that are maybe a third of what some of these other guys have seen. So again, good business practices not only gets you a good price, but it also seems to help you maintain those prices over time better than, uh, than others. Now, everybody suffered. Just some people, some people, you know, were, well, extreme sufferers as opposed to having a, a lower pain point. We well, understand that too. If you're constantly expediting shipments and the, the supplier has to interrupt his, uh, do changeovers or whatever to meet your demands, then yeah, your cost is going to go up for sure. So for sure. you're not managing your internal processes. It's affecting you from a pricing standpoint. That's an interesting point. It really yeah. is. Yes. I mean, a lot of it too comes down to good demand planning and both yeah. the good demand planning, good relationships, good business processes made it through way better. And by the way, the ones that made it through know they made it through way better than others. But I mean, the industry right now, I, I've heard it described, you know, the price increases and everybody's been working shortages for so long, the procurement people are just numb. How can I imagine? They need a break. Well, they need, yeah. they need something to break so that they can, uh, can get back to something that's more normal. And of course, our, our tools are designed to help them be able to get answers without having to put so much effort into it so that they can, in fact, you know, migrate back to something that's, that's closer to a normal situation for them. 
One of the things I always ask is where you think your industry is going in the next couple of years. And in your case, that's going to be a tough one to answer, isn't it? <laughs> it is, but I mean, there's there's been a lot of things that have got us to where we to where we are. I mean, you know, first of all, you've got all these new uh, product types that are coming out. You know, G5 electronic vehicles, uh, you know, autonomous driving, uh, and all of all of that stuff has has caused a situation where the demand has skyrocketed. And at the same time that the demand has skyrocketed, new technologies have come on board that have uh, have had people reconsider uh, whether or not the capacity that they currently are using should be applied to the older products or whether they should take that capacity and apply it to higher margin products. And I'll go back a couple of years with that example and say, you know, MLCC capacitors, which the uh, you know multi-level chip carrier capacitors. Uh, a lot of companies decided that they should take their general commercial parts and they should migrate to automotive because generally speaking, automotive pays a premium over a, a standard commercial part. And so you know factory reconfiguration for higher margins has been a factor in this, as has politics and as has yeah. some you know, natural disasters like fires and earthquakes and things like that that shut down capacity. Uh, the fact that it takes three years to build a wafer fab, that's, uh, that's a three-year problem. And, you know, they've invested now about two years ago to make that happen. So that should be resolving itself. And I, I think, uh, so I think the problem is going to become less of a problem in the second half of 2022 and 2023. But uh, it, it's going to be different. It's, it's, it's not going to be easy for the next 18 months. Well, it sounds like you're in a good position. I mean, you're really an IT company that uses that mines data, which is which yeah. is pretty interesting. It's yeah, nice, that's a a nice yeah, we're a data company applying our expertise to to the problem of pricing in uh, the electronic supply chain. And uh, yeah, as I said, the company name Lytica comes from the word analytical. So uh, you can't be more data company than that, right? Right. Good name. Anything I didn't ask you about your company you want to talk about? Uh, just that we're uh, we're growing, uh, high growth company, uh, really, really good people. Really impressed with the team. Uh, if anybody on my team happens to listen to this podcast, they'll feel good about themselves. But uh, just I think we're filling a really important gap in the marketplace that uh, has been a, not filled before with. With, uh, with this kind of technology. Like a, a lot of the digitization of the supply chain really happened around things like logistics and, and that. And, and pricing has always been a mysterious area that's never been, uh, been properly supported. And uh, that's what we're trying to do is properly support our customers with the best pricing information we can get. Sounds good, Ken. Appreciate your time having you on. How do people awesome. get in touch with you if they wanna to talk to you about this? Uh, they can uh, get in touch with uh, with me directly at uh, Ken underscore Bradley at Lytica.com, or they can uh, just reach out through uh, sales at Lytica.com right. to, to, get, to get in touch with us. I'll put the link at the, the bottom of your podcast as well. Again, thanks for your time, Ken. Enjoyed it. Thanks for, thanks for inviting me to the podcast. It's uh, been fun. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Manufacturing and Supply Chain CEOs. If you're a successful CEO in manufacturing or supply chain, 
that would like to be part of the program, please visit www.martinharsberger.com slash apply. If you got some value out of the interview, please share it on social media. We'd really appreciate it. Also, if you know someone that would make a great guest, tag them and let them know about the show. Again, our mission is to focus on manufacturing and supply chain CEOs. We'd like to share your story and provide industry trends and updates that would interest our listeners. We're regularly putting out new episodes and content. Make sure you don't miss an episode. Go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up ratings and interviews go a long way in promoting the show. You can connect with me on social media. I'm on LinkedIn at uh, Martin Harshberger. Or through my website, www.martinharshberger.com. Again, we appreciate it. Thanks for listening.